Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word to our hearts this evening. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 that there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Now through Christ and Christ alone, God has done all that is uh, eternally necessary to take away everything that stands between us and Him, namely our sin. Now, the testimony of the Old and New Testaments is that our God is the faithful, covenant-keeping God. He has kept His covenant with Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, and we see them fulfilled in Christ, the mediator of the New Covenant. In Christ Jesus, all the types and shadows of the Old Testament Scriptures come to glorious fulfillment. And God's saving purpose comes to its fullest revelation in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus. Now the salvation given to us before the foundation of the world is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. And through our beloved Savior, God the Father is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him. And uh, the title of our study this evening is Save Them to the Uttermost. We're taking up once again the issue of the, the preservation and the perseverance of the saints. And tonight, we are taking up the second pillar upon which our preservation and perseverance is built. Last week we saw that it was in the, the immutability of God's saving purposes and God's promises in Christ. Now tonight we come, as I said, to this second pillar, uh, which is our preservation and perseverance flow from the mediation and intercession of Jesus Christ. Now our earlier studies in man's radical depravity revealed that sinful men walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Sinful men desperately need their vain minds and darkened understanding informed and enlightened to their condition. They need to be informed and enlightened to their remedy. Likewise, as sinners alienated from God 
separated by their loathsome rebellions, they need someone to pay the awful debt of their sin. They need cleansing from the filth and pollution of their iniquities, as well as someone to undertake on their behalf. They are utterly bereft of the righteousness of God, and their selfish, self-centered blindness calls for someone to guide, protect, and provide for them. Ignorant, corrupt, and rebellious sinners neither seek the living God nor have what is necessary to come into His presence. Now how can men in this condition be delivered? That's the question. If men's minds are vain, if they are alienated from God and need cleansing, if they are rebels who need guidance and protection, what possible hope is there for people in this condition? Well, quite, uh, quite frankly, brethren, apart from the grace of God, there is none. The programs of men, the religions thought up either by devils or the human mind, cannot deliver the human soul. The only hope for sinners is the Lord Jesus Christ and His grace and mercy to those in their radical depravity. The wonder of the grace of God's purpose is that He completely meets all of our needs in the person of our mediator, the Lord Jesus. Every single thing that we have spoken of thus far is met in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus. If we do not understand that, we will not understand why we can be absolutely certain that those who are saved will persevere to the end. Brethren, if you are unclear of what Christ has accomplished, if you are unclear of who Christ is, and what God the Father sent him to do, you certainly have no reason to be assured that you will persevere to the very end. So, we want to consider Christ the Mediator as our prophet, our priest, and our king, and why that is the second pillar of our perseverance and preservation. It's hard to do justice to a subject so vast in just one brief study. But I do pray that you'll be able to lay hold of the fundamental issues that we cover here this evening. So let's take up, first of all, Christ as our prophet. Scripture tells us that because of sin, men became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God 
into an image made like a corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Romans chapter 1. Now the lost man's plight is perilous. Brethren, today the whole idea is to just go out and find people and just say God loves you and somehow or another that will captivate men uh, to become Christians and spend eternity in heaven. And while that sounds good and while our flesh likes that, men must come to the clear understanding that they are lost, that they are sinners, that they are rebels against God that they will be lost in hell for all eternity except God have mercy upon them. It is when they understand their desperate condition that the love of God means something. Then, hearing that God in His mercy and His grace has sent His Holy Son to save sinners, magnifies and amplifies the love of Almighty God. Man's plight is perilous because the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Lost men are slaves of their passions, of their transgressions, of their lusts. They are slaves of Satan. Their minds are bound. Their minds are blinded. You can sit and plead with men all day long. You can tell them the truth as with absolute crystal clarity. But except the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of His Spirit open that blind mind, open that blind heart, they have no hope. Unfortunately, we can press people to make religious decisions. But that does not mean that they've been converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. The great uh, evangelist George Whitfield was walking down the street as the story goes. This is a paraphrase, not a, an exact word-for-word retelling of the story. But the first time I read it, it captured my heart. And uh, as he was walking down the street, a man who was obviously sloppy drunk, staggering along, uh, wandered up to uh, Mr. Whitfield and addressed him uh, uh, as an, a long-lost friend. And his drunkenness was obvious to all around. And Mr. Whitfield said, Sir, I don't know. I've had the pleasure of making your acquaintance. And he said, Sure, George. You know me. I'm one of your converts. And Mr. Whitfield looked at him and said, you look like one of my converts. If you were one of Christ's converts, you would be sober. Now, brethren, that is the case. Christ's converts are people who have been delivered by the power of Christ. We can press men to religion, but we can convert no soul. We must tell them the truth and plead with God to open their hearts because Satan blinds their minds and they will never believe the truth. Lost men live in the imagination of their hearts, Luke 151 says. They are alienated 
enemies in their minds by wicked works. Colossians 1, 21. What sinful men need most, then, in that condition, is a prophet. They need a prophet. A prophet speaks to men from God. <clears throat> Christ was prophesied as the great prophet. Acts chapter 3, verse 22 says, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. Jesus Christ didn't come to make people feel good. He came to deliver a message from heaven. He came to inform lost men of their condition and of the glories and the wonders of God's grace. This prophet spoken of in Acts chapter 3, is of course the Lord Jesus, our beloved Master. And this is why He is called the Light. Men, in their natural condition, are in darkness. Jesus Christ is the Light. I am the Light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Likewise, he said, I am come, a light into the world. He's not speaking nice, religious, gobbledygook here. Brethren, he's saying, I am the incarnate Word of God. I am the revelation of Almighty God. It is in this way that Christ comes into the world and gives saving knowledge. He is the perfect expression of the mind of God. And that is why He is called the Word. What expresses us more clearly than our words? Our minds are revealed by our words. As the Scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Brethren, when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ by the eye of faith in His Word, we see the expression of the eternal, infinite, and holy mind of God. Jesus Christ is God's prophet to us. By His Spirit and Word, Christ reveals the way of salvation to His children, persuading them to repent and believe on Him to everlasting life. Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You notice, He doesn't just say, well, just get in a church, buy a nice big black heavy Bible, become religious. He says, come to Me. Many people walk in aisles that never get to Christ. Many people go through religious performances, religious ceremonies, and never come to Christ. Brethren, Jesus Christ reveals who we are, and in His glorious light we understand who He is, 
and what God has done to save sinners. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Brethren, this is the voice of heaven. As the Proverbs declare, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 2.6 This is why the Apostle John tells us that the Son of God hath given us an understanding. He hath given us an understanding. Brethren, this is the work of Jesus Christ as prophet. No man, no woman, no child will ever savingly come to Christ. A lot of them will get religion. But no one will ever savingly come to Christ except the prophet of God reveal himself to you. This is set forth over and over in the Scriptures, which is astounding that in our day we think if we put just enough Wall Street pressure on people, they'll become Christians. No. We must declare God's message, trusting the Holy Prophet of God to open men's hearts. And He does. He does. That is why anyone who is truly converted is converted. His need is desperate. He is in darkness. And God, through His Holy Son, reveals Himself. The prophet of God speaks. And this is in fulfillment of one of the great promises of the New Covenant. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. This is the work of Christ the prophet. He reveals the Word of God. He writes them verily upon our, our hearts so that we understand, so that we believe, so that we will obey. What does this have to do with perseverance? Well, brethren, God's beloved saints will persevere because Christ the prophet dispels their ignorance. Christ the prophet reveals the way. They don't stumble around in darkness anymore. God's children are illuminated. They are enlightened. He in fact reveals Himself, God's eternal purpose, and God's saving work in Christ. God's beloved saints persevere because Christ the prophet dispels their ignorance of God's law. This is what was happening with the Apostle Paul. Here was a man who was a Pharisee. He had memorized the law. He knew the law. He could preach the law. But it had never come home to his heart. When Jesus Christ revealed Himself to Paul and opened Paul's heart and gave him eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to believe, all of a sudden the Word of God came home. He said, Ah, I found out that I was a covetous man because the law of God told me, You, Paul, covet. 
hear his testimony. Romans 7. Turn there just for a moment. This is God's glorious work. <clears throat> Paul says in, in verse 7 of chapter 7, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Now it says that to all men. There's a difference between externally hearing and internally hearing. Sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. But without the law sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, you hear the words? When the commandment came, he's not talking about when God gave it on Mount Sinai. He's talking about when it came home and smote Paul's heart. When the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Paul understood after the law began a deep work in his heart. What a sinner that he was. He thought he was all right before God. He, was a, he thought he was alive in his Pharisaic religion. But when the Lord brought the truth home to his heart, he realized that he did lust. He did covet. Christ is always about that work with his children. He's always about taking his word and bringing it home to their hearts to keep them in the path. God's beloved saints will persevere because Christ the prophet reveals the truth about salvation. He calls men to Himself and He reveals that He and in His broken body and in His shed blood hath done all that was infinitely necessary to satisfy God the Father. God's beloved saints will persevere because Christ the prophet instructs them through the Word and their brethren regarding the way of sanctification. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you. Why does the Holy Spirit abide in you? Because Jesus Christ appointed Him to. That is part of His prophetic work. Jesus wasn't just a prophet when He stood here uh, on, on the earth. He is a prophet now. He is a prophet tonight, sending His Spirit by His Word, speaking the Word of God to His people. And He, he will speak to whom He will. I can preach until I'm blue in the face. But when Christ speaks through His Word, His people will hear. The anointing which ye have received of Him abideth. Brethren, part of His wonderful work is profit for us is that the Spirit abides in us. And it says, And ye have no need that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall 
abide in Him. You will be preserved and you will persevere because the Holy Spirit in Christ's work as prophet will continue to enlighten your mind and heart as you walk with your God. If God's children do not walk in the darkness that the lost man does, oh, there's a darkness for God's people, but that's another subject. It isn't the lost darkness of a mind that has not been illuminated. Christ in His mercy as our prophet continues to inform and illuminate us so that we might persevere to the end. Brethren, if you know the way, if you know the truth, you know the life. Secondly, we persevere because Christ is our priest. As the mediator of the new covenant, Christ Jesus not only informs and enlightens His people, He cleanses and redeems them by His work as priest. Remember, man's predicament, first of all, is in darkness. Christ dispels that. Secondly, He's filthy. He's sinful. He's corrupt. You say, oh, words like that hurt people's feelings. Don't say things like that to them. No, you need to tell them what God's Word says. You don't have to make up anything. You don't, have to, you don't have to search for adjectives. Just tell them that the prophet of God says, Your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That means you don't even know the depths of the wickedness of your own heart. Just tell men that. Tell them what God says. And wait on the prophet of God to illuminate their hearts. Now they must hear it. Because until men understand their danger, they will never flee to the saving Christ. Well, Christ not only informs and enlightens, He cleanses and redeems. Man is in a sinful, filthy condition. But listen to what the writer of the Hebrews declares. For verily He, that is Christ, took not on Him the nature of angels, but He took on Him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behoved Him to be made like unto His brethren, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. Hebrews 2. Brethren, a priest represents men to God. The prophet represents God to men. The priest, in reverse, represents men to God. And we have right here the glory of the incarnation set before us. He didn't take on the nature of angels. He took on Him the seed of Abraham. In other words, He became man. He became the same nature of His elect. He became the nature of those He would represent. And He did that so that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest. The Word became flesh and dwelt among men that He might become the great high priest of the elect of God. For the wages of sin is death. So Christ paid the great penalty for the sins of His people. For such an high priest became us, 
Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26 says, Who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once, Christ, when he offered up himself, As our high priest, he himself is the great offering for his people. He not only is the one who offers, he is the sacrifice offered. The Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. All this language, sacrificial, all this language speaks of his work for what? For sin, for cleansing sinners. If people do not come to realize that they are sinners, rebels against God, they have no use for Jesus Christ. Oh, they might want a friend because they're lonely. They might want a, a doctor because they think they're a little sick. They won't want a Savior from sin until they realize their sins will plunge them into hell. And Jesus meets sinners in their need as a priest. Brethren, Christ's priestly work is a direct fulfillment of the new covenant. For all shall know me, it says, from the least to the greatest, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. I will be merciful, says God, to their wicked sins and rebellion. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. He's not saying I'll look the other way. He's not saying I'll, I'll divert my eyes and just pretend that they're nice people and I'll just, I'll just forgive them across the board and be nice back to them. Christ became an high priest of good things to come by a great and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. In other words, Christ accomplished what He was sent to do. And that was securing eternal redemption for sinners. He did that as the high priest. As our priest, He did what we needed done. We could not go into God's presence. We have nothing to offer Him. We are filthy, vile, helpless we, as the hymn says. Spotless Lamb of God was He. Full atonement. Can it be? Hallelujah. What a Savior. Brethren, that is the case. That is the case. Can you hear? God has made full and free salvation through Christ the priest. 
Christ as the representative of His people has come before the Father. He has offered up that which has satisfied His wrath and His fury. Man in the place of men, a perfect one who had no sin, stood in the place of His people and bore in His own body upon the tree all of the wrath and the fury of God. This redemption, this shedding of His blood is the cleansing of our sins. That's what the sinner needs. Remember? He's filthy. He's corrupt. Christ gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous, zealous of good works. John says, the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Are you a sinner? You are filthy then before your God. And you will never enter His presence in your filth. You have one place. One place of cleansing. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stain. We need a priest. And God in His mercy has given us a priest in His Son. But His work as a priest goes even beyond offering the sacrifice that cleanses us he also intercedes for us. Isaiah prophesies, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. On their behalf, he offered up the sacrifice and he continues on their behalf to intercede for them. Paul says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us. Who is He to condemn us? We cannot be condemned as long as Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because at the right hand of the Father is the eternal and glorious assurance in Christ that all our sins have been washed away. This is why the epistle to the Hebrews so boldly says, Wherefore He is able to save them to the uttermost. Brethren, there are men all over the landscape today preaching a partial salvation. You believe in Christ and keep yourself holy enough and you'll go to heaven. Brethren, as I read the Word of God, it loudly declares that there's no sinner anywhere that can offer up anything that is satisfactory to God. We need a perfect righteousness to clothe us. And that is found only in Christ. And brethren, not only that, we need someone who has washed away all our sins to plead our case. And that's what Christ is doing at the right hand of the Father. He doesn't have to open His, word, his mouth in words. He doesn't have to say to an angry Father, 
Oh, Father, don't be angry with him. That's one that I died for. My blood cleansed him. I've heard men preach it that way. No, no. God the Father is sitting there satisfied with all of his children because at the right hand is the one who cleansed them forever. His very presence pleads for us. He doesn't need words. He is the Word. He ever liveth to make intercession for them. He saves to the uttermost, to the very smallest. So Christ, beloved saints, will persevere because Christ the priest has offered the perfect sacrifice on their behalf. Do you hear that, brethren? That's good news. You have nothing that God will receive on your behalf. All of your righteousnesses and all of mine are as filthy rags. But brethren, Christ Himself has borne in His own body all of the fury of the Father for all of our sins, for all of eternity. A perfect sacrifice for all our sins. How can we not persevere to the end? Our sins are washed away and they are never held against us again. Now either our sins are washed away or they are not washed away. Or only part of them are washed away and we can only hope that maybe the rest of them will get washed away as we walk along trying to be good enough and and remembering to ask forgiveness often enough. How many of you honestly think you will make it under those conditions? Are you so filled with Pharisaic pride that you really think you can earn some smidgen of your life with Christ? You see nothing of the depths of your sins if you can think that way. And worse, you do not understand the all-comprehensive cleansing of the blood of Christ. God's beloved saints will persevere because Christ the priest has propitiated the Father. He's turned His wrath away. How can we not persevere when the Father is no longer angry with us? His fatherly displeasure can be shown to His children, but it is always to restore us, not to damn us. Christ, God's beloved saints, will persevere because Christ the priest has redeemed them from the curse of the law. That's what He was doing upon the cross. All of the curse of the law was finished in the Lord Jesus That's why there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. God's beloved saints will persevere because Christ the priest has justified them in the court of heaven. They stand robed in His perfect righteousness by faith. And the judge declares them righteous. He doesn't just say, not guilty. He says, righteous and righteous as Christ. What can undo the declaration that we are righteous because of the perfect work of Christ? 
How can you get unrighteous if all of your sins are washed away? You say, oh, you preach that kind of stuff, people will live loose. No, just believe the rest of what the Scripture said and you realize those out there living loose don't believe what they're telling you. Those that have been melted by the grace of Christ serve Him. They don't look at His grace as a reason to live like the world and still expect to go to heaven. They're overwhelmed that the God of heaven and earth would come to such a miserable wretch and draw Him to Himself and cleanse Him and make Him His own. They want to serve Him, not defy Him in the name of His grace. God's beloved saints will persevere because Christ has taken away forever the obstacle that stood between us. Ever had an argument with your wife, your husband, one of your children? Ugly words go down. Perhaps ugly acts have transpired. You can't even look at each other. You know what that's like. What you need is reconciliation. What you need is what's between you, separating you, to be gone. Brethren, the blood of Christ has washed away all that stood between us and our God. He receives us as children, not just forgiven sinners, not just pardoned criminals, but sons. God's beloved saints will persevere because Christ the priest intercedes for them. Christ's perfect sacrifice is always there at the right hand of the Father. His very presence, as I said, is their eternal assurance that the Father is satisfied that the law no longer condemns and that Christ's righteousness is theirs. Well, finally, Christ, our King. The prophet Isaiah proclaimed, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Well, who is he? Who is that son? Well, it says that the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's a great and mighty ruler. This is God's gift of mercy and love. We live in a nation that was established to be a Christian republic. But democracy has become the buzzword that has become virtually a religion in the United States. It's amazing that uh, you hear people all the time saying, oh, we want to go all over the world spreading democracy. I'd love to hear one of our leaders just once say, we need to go all over the world spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what liberates men. Not democracy as such. But because we live in a democracy, we rarely understand the idea of a king. I mean, 
one man, one vote. I'm my own man. Nobody tells me what to do. Get out of my space. We don't like authority. We don't like people commanding us and ruling us. We, we rule ourselves. Do we not? Well, that's a delusion. We don't. But we, we like to fool ourselves into thinking we do. But brethren, the gospel is all about a mediator who doesn't ask men to let him save them. The kingdom of God is not a great democracy where people say, well, I'll vote for Jesus. We read the scriptures carefully. The mediator is a king who conquers sinners and brings them into himself. Jesus, the King, rules and reigns. By virtue of being God, He is sovereign. By virtue of being Creator, He is sovereign. He rules over all things in heaven and in earth, including the salvation of men. He is the King, not by vote, but by the appointment of His Holy Father. It cannot be controverted. It will never be overturned. Jesus Christ rules and reigns. So, well, now what's that got to do with perseverance? I understand a little bit that, okay, I'm in darkness. Christ gives me light and helps me understand. All right? And He'll go on doing that. And I'll go on understanding. All right? I understand. And I understand this part about a priest and and uh, intercession. You know, there's a sacrifice for my filthy sins. And there's uh, someone at the right hand of the Father who has secured for me everlasting salvation. And His being there is my assurance. I can understand. But what's this idea of Him being a king? How's that got anything to do with me being one who perseveres to the end? Well, first of all, because of the following thing. God's beloved people will persevere because Jesus the King conquers and converts His people by grace. It is not by their merit, but it is by His glorious, loving, and merciful grace. He sends His Spirit to convince their hearts of sin, and He deals a death blow to their self-centered will. Jesus Christ the King converts men. Now, we may produce fleshly converts, but Jesus Christ the King changes them. He changes men. Our converts, like George Whitfield's, will go astray. They will never prove to be true. But the converts made by the Holy Spirit will go on to the end because Christ the King has saved them, has converted them, they will persevere because Christ the King gives them a new heart and makes them new creatures. Titus chapter two, verse three. Uh, chapter, excuse me. Titus chapter three, verse five says, "Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us." You hear that? We didn't help Him. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. How is it that you repented of your sin, friend, if you ever have? 
How is it that you've come to see the darkness of your own soul? It is because Christ the King as prophet has illuminated you. He has sent His Spirit to make you feel, to make you understand your vileness before the throne of heaven. He comes and by His regenerating power He grants life where there was nothing but death and brings you to see your need of Him. You listen to Christ the prophet when Christ the King opens your heart. It is by the glorious washing of regeneration which He shed on us. Notice, He shed on us. We didn't flip a button somewhere to get Him to do it. He, in His mercy and grace, shed it abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, upon us, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. He grants repentance and faith when He opens the heart that way, dear brethren. Acts chapter 5, verse 31 says, Him, the Lord Jesus, hath God the Father exalted with His right hand to be a prince, to be the king, to be the ruler, to be the sovereign, to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel. In a true monarchy, the word of the king stands. You don't come in and say, but, 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 my way, the people's way. He says, take him out and take his head off. And the word of the king stands. Brethren, in God's kingdom, the word of the king stands. God's not up there hoping you will come to him tonight. God the King speaks and you come. Or you go on in your rebellion. And the King may say, and you may have your rebellion. But the King is saying, come. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I give repentance. I give faith. And the forgiveness of sin. If it were left up to us, there'd be room for error. It's in the hands of the king. God's people will persevere because he gives them a new legal status. They're justified. As we read a few moments ago in, in Romans 8, verse 33, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? If the king has said, Righteous, who can charge you with anything? No one. Men with a perfect standing and a perfect righteousness before God do not go to hell. God's people will persevere because Christ the King gives them a new spirit and power unto holiness. Romans 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Are you a Christian? Then you've been made alive. You've been quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will go on in the power of the Holy Spirit. You won't go on under your own power. You go in the power of God's glorious Spirit. And Jesus the King sanctifies the souls of His people. Listen to just these few verses and then we'll close. 
1 Thessalonians 3.12 And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Did you hear that? And the Lord, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another. To the end He may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with His saints. What's God the Father's purpose in doing that? What is Christ's purpose in doing that? To establish your hearts unblameable in holiness. God will not fail at His purpose. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is He that calleth you. Faithful is He that will do it. Who is it that will do it? Christ the King. Christ the King. Man is in darkness. Man is filthy in his sin. Man doesn't know how to walk and live with God. God in His mercy has given a prophet to man's darkness. He's given a priest to cleanse him and intercede for him. And He's given him a king to rule to guide and to give Him all things that pertain to life and godliness. That is being saved. All of our needs met in Christ. All that we desperately need as sinners given to us by the mercy and grace of Him who loved us gave Himself for us. Brethren, those who have light and those who have their sins washed away and those who are guided, ruled, and protected by Christ will persevere unto the end. And all the praise and all the glory and all the honor is His forever. Let's pray. O Holy Christ, we so desperately need You, Lord. But what great good news our Gospel is for sinners. Those who are self-righteous have no need for a Savior. But Father, those who have been brought to see their desperate need and take the greatest joy and eternal comfort that Jesus Christ is the prophet, the priest, and the king who provides everything necessary for everlasting life. Now, Lord, take these truths to our hearts. May we persevere in Thy grace to the glory and praise of Jesus Christ. And if there is one here that does not know Thee, Oh, would you bring your light make them to see the need of thee. In Jesus' name, Amen. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. 
our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L 3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.